Welcome to the Mouthy IP Podcast, where we discuss infection prevention for the busy dental profession. The Mouthy IP Podcast is created by Nebraska ICAP, Infection Control Assessment and Promotion Program, and is funded by the Nebraska DHHS HAI team via a CDC grant. Each podcast features experts discussing current infection prevention topics and answers to questions asked by dental professionals from Nebraska. Welcome to the Mouthy IP and our last session for the year 2021. Today we have Sarah Stream, Dr. Richard Hankins, and a guest, Josette McConville. Welcome. Thanks for welcoming me today. Um, I'm an infection preventionist, started working with Nebraska ICAP a few months ago. And prior to that, I had been doing infection prevention, including employee health in a hospital, um, have worked in ambulatory care, and um, also worked as an educator. So our top, with our topic today, which we'll be getting into, I have done annual education and lots of experience with employee health and risk. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. All right. So... I am going to go ahead and play our question for everybody. I have been tasked with doing our office's annual review for our infection control binder. Can you review what all should be done for that? And if there's anything else that I should think about for our annual review? All right, so this question I think is a really great question since this is kind of a new year episode, um, it's a good time to kind of step back and look at what's going on in your practice and um, do some of those annual duties that maybe we don't think about during the year. So to start off with, um, Josette, do you want to give maybe just a little bit of an overview on what were some annual review things that you did as an employee health professional? I think most of the things annually revolve around OSHA's expectations, um, you know, making sure that your OSHA logs are completed for the year, making sure that staff receive education, especially the bloodborne pathogen um, standards every single year. Um, but probably employee health related, it was revolving around those OSHA guidelines. Josette, um, I... I'm a novice at a lot of this, so I, I do not know what OSHA logs are. <laughs> I'm prepared to get too much into that, but any injuries that an employee has that are work-related have to be put on a log, um, and the formal log includes everything except for things that just first aid that was quickly taken care of in a first aid manner. But anything gotcha. that includes like a exposure to blood, even if it didn't result in somebody ultimately getting sick, if they had that needle stick, it goes on that log or an injury that somebody had to be seen at the emergency room or by a doctor goes on that log. And then each um, facility has to have that posted for all employees to see, not the details, but the um, ultimate just we had. 17 injuries, you know, last year, and four of those are maybe bloodborne pathogen exposures. 
and that gets posted so all employees in the facility have the ability to see that for over the first few months of the year. Gotcha. Okay. And is there typically a centralized individual or individuals that take care of that and aggregate all of the information and coordinate? I think it's probably dependent on facility, but it probably generally involves if there's an employee health department or a nurse and then human resources heavily. Yeah. And then in a dental practice, usually they're very small. So you would probably have somebody in your office that was like the OSHA coordinator that that would be their responsibility to make sure that those are, everything is gathered and logged appropriately and then posted and in the front of their mind, right? We're going into this new year. There are things that we need to take care of. Um, So we've talked about the logs. Um, Usually it is a requirement to do an annual policy review as well. So um, looking through your policies, including your OSHA, blowborne pathogens, all of your hazard communication, respiratory protection, uh, you'll want to get together with your team and just review those and make sure everything is still up to date. So when you're looking through those policies, what are some things that you would want to look for, Josette, specifically? I think keeping in mind any changes that have come out with, we know, with OSHA and regulatory things, there's frequent changes um, depending on how old the policy is. And if, you know, the policies that a facility has are maybe like owned or written by the group that's currently reviewing them, you may want to look at are they written to specifically, you know, in a time where we're getting new guidelines out so frequently, sometimes policies need to be a little bit more general in saying that we, you know, our facility does this to be safe for bloodborne, you know, not necessarily for bloodborne pathogens, but to be safe, to keep us safe in case somebody with maybe a respiratory illness is coming into our facility, but we don't want to be super, super specific. And so it's always good to get new eyes on those policies annually and to make sure that you're looking at updated information and that you're just being really, I think a good part of it is that they're being reviewed too. You know, a lot of times that they maybe were written years ago and you want your staff to have, to really know what's in them. That's interesting. And so in the the era of of COVID, uh, it, it seems like everything changes about every other day. Um, and how is that the, the level and the intensity of all of the changes that are happening currently and literally today and currently, how is that compared to years past, uh, 2019 or 2018? What is it wildly different or has there always been kind of change? I'd say it's wildly different. I mean, prior to COVID and looking at those sort of policies, you know, I think about like employee health or infection control policies that maybe we had at my old job. And there was some different guidelines that had come out about um, like TB testing as a new healthcare worker starting. And do you need to do that annually or do you just do it up on hire? And those guidelines had changed for a low incident area, just needing to do a TB test up on hire and then annual screening, but no testing. But I mean, prior to that guidance coming out a few years ago, I mean, it had been the same for years and years and years. So I think, you know, we definitely weren't having all these changes thrown at us like rapid fire, you know, and probably 
you know, a lot of facilities would be uh, subscri subscribed to different email server lists and stuff. And, you know, through their, um, or maybe through their attorney or their risk insurance, get information like, oh, something new is changing. Make sure that you include this in your upcoming policy changes, you know, but not coming at us in our inboxes on a daily basis. So it, it's interesting in hearing you speak about these changes and um, knowing the, the volatility that we've had. I think one of the things that you said earlier is to maybe more generalize some of the aspects, knowing that not only have we had a lot of changes, but that's probably a predictor of what we're going to see over the next three to six months at the at the you know the shortest time frame that there's going to continue to be changes as we learn more. Yeah, I think depending on how like a facility's um, you know the approval process that like a policy goes through, it's better just to keep that policy general that you're educating your staff on. The policy would say you're educating your staff on when to call in sick. And then the procedure, which maybe doesn't have to be such an approved policy, would really say call in with these symptoms or, you know, give this specific timeline that could be kind of changed on the fly as we get more information when the with the policy being a lot more generic. I think that's a really good example. That is a really I'm good example. I'm glad you touched on presenteeism. Um, another thing that brought up for me as well is with COVID being so present in everything that we're doing as healthcare providers that, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to have a separate COVID policy or a separate COVID binder. And, you know, we're, we know we're going to be updating those policies or procedures on a regular basis, but our general policies like our bloodborne pathogens, our standard precautions policies, those are things that don't often change. So keeping them separated may be good as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And that's kind of my experience that I've, I've worked with and that I've seen in other places too. Um, in addition to reviewing all of our policies, it is also important to make sure that we have done our annual education for our employees. So what are some types of education that would be included in that, Josette? Well, I think the biggest thing that is mandatory for people because of OSHA is updating everybody on training on bloodborne pathogens annually. But then depending on what people's policies say related to infection prevention, a lot of times um, facilities would have written in their policy that staff will receive hand hygiene education annual, annually, or they'll receive education in how to wear and use personal protective equipment annually. And sometimes that includes like a return demonstration. So I think really that you're, you obviously want to try to keep it quick to keep somebody's attention, um, but that you are sticking to your policy and sticking to what's required by regulatory standards, such as the bloodborne pathogen policy. I think, you know, a lot of times now people use um, like an online learning management system to take care of that education. And I think that's great because it's really super efficient. People can kind of log in in their own time. And probably when those um, portals are put out, they make sure that they're in compliance with like OSHA. But I just think people should really keep in mind, if you use that, you need to also add like your own personal facilities information to it. Like there's probably really good portals about 
how to protect yourself from a bloodborne pathogen, how to use needles safely. But if somebody really gets poked with a needle, what are they going to do in your facility? How are, who are they going to contact? What should they do? Um, you know, if there's a certain type of needle that you use in your facility that they know specifically how to retract that needle or how to sheath that needle versus just the generics that are shown in a online portal. Those are all really great examples. And you brought up something that I want to touch on. Um, so the ICAP team has done a lot of voluntary site visits over the last few years. And one thing that we have noticed is compliance with the competency audit and feedback process on trainings. So oftentimes offices are doing, you know, that generic video of bloodborne pathogens, or they have somebody in to come and talk about it, but then they don't do any of the hands-on training portion with it. So that is also really important. And um, I know a lot of healthcare providers probably think, well, I know how to wash my hands. I don't need to learn how to do it every year, but it's a really good reminder you know, are you really waiting that full 20 seconds when you're washing your hands? Um, are you donning your PPE in the correct order? Are you doffing in the correct order? All of those things can be um, taught and then you do a quick teach back. Like Josette said, you know, I've showed you, now you show me. And then document that stuff and put it in all of your files and provide feedback. Sarah, can people get into regulatory issues if their policy is to use like an online teaching format and it, that online teaching format has in-person associated uh, tools and then they don't do the in-person associated tools like you just mentioned? Um, I will say in dentistry, probably not because there aren't a whole lot of dental facilities that are accredited by an outside entity. Um, you know, maybe okay. in some school settings or a larger FQHC, um, but it is, it's good practice to always do that. Um, Josette, okay. maybe you can talk about if they, if you are accredited, there may be some yeah. issues with that. I don't know. I mean, I suppose you could. I have never come across. I mean, I think when somebody comes in to do a survey, not saying that they absolutely couldn't say log me into that portal and show me absolutely everything that it says, but I've never experienced that. I mean, usually you're able to show that your staff have done a course on hand hygiene or they've done a course on PPE and it meets that compliance. I think that the problem with the only using that and not doing anything hands-on comes when that surveyor is there and your staff have taken a course on appropriate use of personal protective equipment, and then they walk into the dental operatory and see, you know, a staff without a mask on. So they've taken a course on it, but they're not using those information that they learned in that course. And that's where you'd get caught up in it by not doing audits and not doing anything hands-on. Okay. I just think back to like, JCO, like joint commission, and if we have infection control policies, um, they they care more that we have a policy and that we're following the policy. And if we have a policy and we don't follow the policy, joint commission is not very happy with that. So. Yeah, and I've seen that quite a few times in dental offices as well, where they, you know, they have a policy on whatever, you know, a sharps container is going to be secured to the counter. Well, then we go out and it's not, they're just sitting on the counter. 
So this, this annual review of your policies is also a really good opportunity to make sure that your policies are matching your practice. Maybe if your practice is different, it's still okay. We just need to adjust the policy to reflect that. Exactly. And is it a balance of having the right amount of policies and procedures documented in the annual review? Uh, because I can imagine that it's more important to have everything in there that is exactly correct than to include things that aren't. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, if we get accredited facilities, if they come in and do a, a survey of your policies and they say, well, your policy says this, but you're not doing this in practice, that can be an issue. Yeah. Um, I think you make a good point, Dan, too. Like, I think you're saying that, like, you have details in there, but Joint Commission, OSHA, nobody's really saying you have to be that detailed exactly. when you review your policy. I mean, maybe those are areas to remove if you know that it's hard to maintain compliance with it and there's really no regulation saying that you have to have it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to provide anybody with cheat codes right. you know, to, in order to slide <laughs> by or anything. But my, the, the point is, if you're going to take the time to document and you want to be as good as you can be, make sure that what you're documenting is attainable given your environment. Absolutely. And then just really emphasizing the document part of it. When you do these reviews, just make sure it's documented somewhere. Um, a lot of times I've seen like, there's a footer in your policy book that says this was reviewed on 12-29-21 or and it's on the title page or something like that. Um, that way, if you do get audited ever, they, they'll say, when was the last time you reviewed these? And it's documented on there. Um, another thing, if we get into respiratory protection, which I know some offices are doing and some are not, but if you do have respiratory protection, um, a respiratory protection program in your office, another thing to think about on this annual review is your annual fit testing for your employees. So Josette, do you want to talk a little bit about fit testing? Sure. So anybody that wears an N95 mask or tighter fitting mask as part of their job it should be fitted to them, meaning they go through initially have to have like a medical evaluation saying that they're qualified to be fit tested and there's no contraindication, contraindications. Um, and then they go just go through a process to make sure that this mask fits really tight to their face and nothing is really getting through it so that it has as good of efficacy working as the you know, box says it does. And um, OSHA had always, you know, a lot of times in hospitals, people would be fit tested, especially thinking about possibly taking care of like a TB patient. And, you know, then a lot of hospitals prioritized staff that would work in those areas that took care of TB patients to fit test them, but not really fit testing all staff across the board or even all medical staff across the board if they didn't probably have that risk of needing to wear an N95 in the next year. And then with COVID, we got into where we just started fit testing everybody. But when we first started that, um, OSHA made some allowances, knowing that there just 
wasn't the resources to adequately fit test everybody annually. And it wasn't even like you couldn't even purchase the equipment to get the fit testing done in some cases. So they did make some allowances for allowing staff to be able to wear like an N95 mask and just try to do a tight seal check by putting their hands around the mask and sucking in and making it feel like they had a tight seal without a true test having been done to show what size of mask that person should wear. But we're kind of getting away from that now. We're still hot and heavy into COVID, but supply chains have opened up with being able to purchase, you know, different types and different sizes of masks and supply chains have opened up with um, people being able to buy the equipment and stuff that's needed to fit test. So we really need to get back to kind of standard practice that if we're going to be wearing N95s in our facilities, we need to be fit testing initially when somebody starts wearing it and then annually to make sure if their face shape changes, um, you know, that they're still wearing the right size mask or anytime that like we would maybe not be able to get a mask in um, and had to purchase a different brand or different style of mask and people would need to be refitted to make sure that that mask fit them appropriately. Yeah, so if your office is using those N95 respirators, um, the annual fit testing is now back in effect. So if you haven't been doing that, it's time to think about trying to find somebody to come in and fit test or sending your employees to an employee health um, clinic so they can get fit tested and then keep all of that documented as well. It was, just, uh, kind of a pain. it was nice to have this, oh, you could just throw a mask on and <laughs> as long as it feels like it fits, you're good. <laughs> so Sarah, question for you about um, what do you think is most frequently missed in terms of a yearly, um, yearly audit, yearly screening in, in dental facilities? So I think there are probably a couple things that are most often missed, probably the policy review. So just sitting down and going through everything. Um, and then one thing that we haven't talked about yet is um, going through and reviewing your SDS sheets in the binder and um, making sure that all of your chemical inventory is included in that and um, removing all of the stuff that you're not using anymore. That tends to be one that gets missed a lot. So um, I so have gone in. Those items from the clinic or physically removing the sheets from the binder? physically removing the sheets from the binder. It's, okay. it's a, and they would need to be kept archived. Yes. You would want to archive those, but you don't want them in your active binder. Um, and I've walked into a lot of offices as a new employee and found that that hadn't been done since 1990. And, you know, so that's my new job for the next two weeks is trying to make sure that everything is all up to date. So it's easier if you do it regularly. And if you were to ever get audited by OSHA, that's something that they will look for. That's a good quick topic to add to like your annual education too, is just all staff should need to know where those sheets can be kept. Some people keep them online, some keep them in a binder still. Mm -hmm. And without getting those old sheets out of there and archiving them in a separate binder, I mean, if it's a true emergency and somebody gets something in their eye, they're going to have a hard time finding what they're looking for. You know, if there's 500 sheets versus 
25 sheets in the binder. Yeah. So people should know where to find them and also how to read them. So I usually tried to focus when I did training live on especially like how to read the first aid section and the spill section. There's a lot of information on there, but I think your general employee needs to know how to clean up a spill or identify how to do that for each particular chemical and then what to do for first aid if there's an exposure in the eye or something. Yeah, and since we're on this topic, it's also important to remember that even your like household cleaning products, you need to have SDS sheets for those as well. Like if you use whatever bathroom cleaner for the toilets in your office, you need to make sure you have that SDS sheet as well. They're really easy to find online. Um, most of them are just posted and you can pull them off of Google. So. Well, and it's interesting, you know, is um, you're talking about an annual review. It certainly doesn't state that, you know, that's the most frequent that anybody can review. And if there are any significant changes along the way throughout the year, that's when the right time is to make those changes. Absolutely. Especially it's easier to do it in real time with your SDS binder. You know, as you buy a new chemical or you get a new product in, make sure that SDS sheet is in your binder. Um, it's a little bit harder on products that you stop using because, you know, like you run out in the middle of something and you just move to a different product. So I would forget to run to the SDS binder to remove an SDS sheet more than I would forget to add in for a new product. And those old sheets could be kind of tedious and are a big pile, but they need to be kept for 30 years because they're considered part of like, if somebody has an exposure, it's considered part of their exposure record. So if somebody wanted to come back 28 years from now and say, well, I'm certain I have this tumor because of whatever I used when I worked at such and such office, you know, you need to be able to have that record and go back and show we use, we did use this chemical 28 years ago or didn't use it, or they didn't have an, ex they didn't ever reported an exposure to it. 30 years. 30 years. <laughs> so there's a lot of turnover of the OSHA record keeper probably in most facilities in a 30 year period. Yeah. All kinds of fun, fun standards, right? Well, I'm glad we discussed all these things that we need to make sure we, we go over at the end of the year. Yeah. And just because this podcast is being, um, we're dropping it at the beginning of the new year, that doesn't mean that you need to drop everything and do this right now. Um, just, you know, pick some time and make that your annual review time, whatever that is. Probably not around tax time. It's not a good time <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for uh, discussing what to do at the end of the year and all of those reviews. Uh, you need not document all your New Year's resolutions in that same time, but, you know, hey, why not? So thank you to uh, Sarah Stream, Dr. Richard Hankins, and our guest, Josette McConville. Thanks, and we'll look forward to seeing everyone in 222. Thank you for spending time with us learning about infection prevention and control in the dental setting. If you have questions you would like the team to chat about, feel free to call our ICAP Infection Control Hotline at 
2881 or visit our website at icap.nebraskamed.com. Look for our next Mouthy IP podcast episode and don't forget to stay chatty about infection control in your office. 